Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. What's up? What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing today? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. So, everyone, today's a very, very, very special day. Not only is it, what's it, Tuesday? Tuesday, May 19th, but it's also Ian's birthday right here. What's up? Uh, we might have to do a celebratory uh, happy birthday you, dance uh, at some point today. But are you say happy birthday to me? I might be. Hell yeah. Might be. We might have. We might have. We might have to sing as a group uh, when Aaron hops. Aaron hops on. So cool. So May nineteenth, Tuesday. Uh, if this is the first time ever tuning in, welcome. We appreciate uh, you coming to check this out. We promise it'll be worth your while. We're gonna have a lot of fun and a lot of good stuff. If you are just if you're tuning in uh, and you're a regular uh, viewer or listener, no matter if you listen to this on our podcast or if you're watching this live on Facebook or on YouTube or on any of the other channels and you like what you hear, you like what you see, we'd appreciate it if you could share the broadcast, um, and share it with your friends because that's how it goes. If, if there, if you know other real estate investors, real estate agents, things they like that. Watch groups are going to shut us down now because you said the word share. You're allowed to say share. Oh. You're allowed to say share. You're not allowed, allowed you're, huh? You're not allowed to type it. Al the algorithm is going to kick us out of people's timelines now, dude. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. What do you, what do you know? Um, anything, honestly. And, and again, if, if anyone wants to comment questions as we are going through uh, this Facebook Live here, feel free to comment. And uh, we're happy to answer any questions that you have. So we're still in the ever-changing and fun environment but real estate investing as a whole is going strong. There's a lot of buyer transactions. There's a lot of seller selling transactions. Uh, hard money lenders are still actively lending the ones who have access to private capital. Uh, and as a whole, as a whole, it seems like a lot of real estate investors are very optimistic of where the market is going. Now, I we like to use the word cautious as well uh, when we use the word optimistic, but there's still a lot of real estate deals being had out there and we're seeing them every day. So, you know, make sure you're you're actively keep an eye out on everything and we'll go over some tips and tricks along. Uh, we have Aaron Foster here from Hometown Heroes. He's gonna hop on here in a second uh, with a really cool study uh, on a project that he uh, bought in Southern Maryland. It's a, it's a two unit project. I'm not gonna go into too many details because we'll get him to talk about that, but we're gonna talk about how we found the property, how we financed the property, uh, maybe a little bit behind the scenes of the construction process, uh, how we got it leased up and how he got end game financing uh, on it as well. Long-term financing, I should say, because he had uh, a short-term loan on it on the acquisition. What else you gotta add, birthday boy? Nothing, man. I just uh, got back from an awesome trip with uh, Steve Cavanaugh, who we interviewed, did a site tour with him over on a storage facility. It was very interesting, very interesting business model. Um, looks very exciting. So that was fun. The cool part was I got to go and I actually sat down and ate in a restaurant in Louisiana and the memories. When was the last time you sat down and actually ate in a restaurant? Um, so that well, we already talked. We already talked about that. You we still talk about that. It's been that long. I, I, I was, yeah, I was, I do, I do know what it was uh, in Richmond in a soccer tournament in the first week of March. 
Yeah. Which so. is which is which is crazy. So it's for me, it's been over two months. No, yeah. So uh, either way, Louisiana looked like it was uh, alive and well, and uh, we're back here in Maryland doing our thing, and uh, excited to bring um, Aaron on and hear about his crazy deal. That I know, I was like, hey, I'll st- I'll definitely steer clear of this one. Um, and so he always finds the most interesting deals to get done. So excited to hear. Let's see what he's got going on. Cool, cool. What's up, Aaron? How are you? What's up, guys? How are you? Happy birthday, Ian. Thanks, brother. Hey, man. So, 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 so Aaron, you do you know what? Uh, well, what's a good way to explain this? Uh, what is different between uh, between you and every other guest that we've had on this show? I put on dad jokes on Facebook. <laughs> nope, but close. You're the only. You're the only. You're the only one so far who's been a repeat guest. All right. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're, you're, the, you're the only one who's been on the on this show twice, and uh, we'll we'll continue it. And I know pretty much all the guests we talked to were like, "Listen, soon as stuff goes, uh, you know, and soon as this craziness kind of goes longer and longer, we'll have you back just to see where your current business is." Um, but as of now, you're the only one. So congrats Sweet. on that. Thanks. Um, so the most, the majority of the stuff we're going to talk about today is, and, and we'll give you a chance to give everybody a quick background about you in a second, and then we'll start with that, and then let's dive into this this case study of this project in Indian Head that you have, and let me know when you want me to share uh, a screen share as well, and we can go through that as well. Okay. So um, last time we spoke, we talked about all the unique deals I find, and I try to make them. Um, I don't want to find things that are inside the box because everybody has the same cookie cutter style that they want these three bed, two baths and how to make it work. And they, that kind of everything with, falls within those spectrums on people's Zillow searches and Redfin searches, what pops up and they have to fight for them. So it's like kind of like fighting for scraps. So you, you got to think outside the box to go after certain deals. Um, and this is one of the deals I found just doing random searches that kind of fit outside the box. Um, so it's two houses on one lot on one tax deed. Uh, on the side of a cliff, this waterfront um, with views for miles around. You can see Virginia. Um, it's down by a military base in Indian Head. I think they do this air warfare missile um, and testing. Uh, really cool place. Um, it's a kind of a B-class neighborhood. It's kind of the, the the way it's set up is it's right next to a, probably a, a low B, high C-class neighborhood, um, but it's its own separate entity with maybe a dozen houses. Um, yeah, it's a cool property. We'll go over the numbers and uh, do some before and after pictures. Um, the way I found it was the searches, just the normal stupid searches I'll do, like maybe I'll do waterfront or I'll do specifically just for, for waterfront houses or I'll do specifically something for the type of houses or um, two units, two houses or multi units or multi houses. Uh, and this one popped up on my radar and it had been sitting on the um, on the market for I think five, six months and uh, nobody could buy it because it, one, there was no comps and two, it was in disrepair. Uh, so you had to overcome two obstacles. Um, the first one, so the way we, we went about going after it was obviously hard money because you guys did the hard money loan on it. Um, and then I paid for the repairs on it. Uh, and then I had something lined up in the back end where the federal credit union or the credit union I use, Mimeo up in Frederick, um, said that they would refinance into a regular loan. So that's what we did. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. That's great. And, and, and you know what? You know what's interesting in general is 
you know, we've done about 3,000 private loans, hard money loans since we've started. And it's very rare that we do a loan on a single, a single lot that has multiple single family houses on that. And yeah. you, the one you did in PG County, I think was your, was the first um, where you had three, you know, there was three houses on one lot. Um, and then I did another one actually in PG County that it was a single lot with two houses. And then this might've been the third one. So in, in general, and it's funny because ever since we've done those, I've kept an eye out on them and there are a good amount of them like that, you know, out of our Philadelphia office, we've done quite a few deals in the Philly and New Jersey market, similar to that. And they're good opportunities. It's one lot. And, you know, in, in essence, there's multiple single family houses or multiple buildings on those lots. And those can be turned into multiple, uh, creative opportunity when they come up. Yeah. So one of the things, this is the, the Temple Hills one's the last one I did. The Indian head was the first one I did. Um, and Got it's it. great because it's, uh, you can have multiple revenue streams. It's no different than having a, either a duplex or a triplex or a quad. Um, and most people don't think about getting one. The hardest part for this is one is, uh, getting a bank to finance it and, um, and being able to comp it. Cause most, if you don't fit in a, a, a very specific bubble, a lot of appraisers don't know how to comp these things or appraise them. Um, so I got I got lucky on both accounts, and I got a great company I'm working with, uh, Nimeo out of Frederick, like I mentioned before. Um, the thing with them is you have to live, work, or worship uh, in Frederick County in order to be a, a member up there or have a business up there. So uh, yeah, they've been great to work with. Um, shout out to Nimeo. They 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 got great rates. They got great loans. They're easy to work with, and they're uh, they're more old school. Where you can walk in and have a conversation with or call them up and say, hey, this is what I have going on. Can we work on it together? So, um, so sorry, sorry. Before we get to the feedback, is it May? Um, yeah, you, you got a ton of ton of feedback. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there either. I would do this, man. When do y'all have it? Um. So how how specifically did you find the deal? You you said were you coming to MLS? Is this a strategic search that you have set up all the time, or how, how did you specifically find it? So um, this one, I think, if I remember correctly, I did a search for waterfront property. And uh, this one popped up on the radar and uh, I thought about it for a while. And I was like, eh, it's Indian head. It's kind of far from me. I'm not sure if I really want to take a swing at this. It looks like the houses are beat up. And I thought about it for a while. And I saw, I think I saw it go pending once or twice. Um, and then I was like, all right, you know, let's take a look at this thing. So I called uh, Danielle Mannix, who's an old friend of mine. She's a good realtor out of DC. And um, we went down to Indian head, took a trip down there. And uh, she always, she sends me the wildest things. Um, now that she knows that I pick up the wildest things. Uh, uh, so we went down there and took a look at it and uh, put an offer on it and it was accepted. Um, and it, from there, it was just one of those moving forward. Like I started setting up different specific searches for either waterfront property or specifically for multi-units. Um, you can still find them. It's just, I think, I, I think my Temple Hills houses, we tried to use my Indian head houses at one of the comps. Um, for the appraisal, but it was too far away. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a typical Zillow search. Like if you want something that's multi-unit, then type in some multi-unit. If you want Redfin, um, they have multi-unit. If uh, I think the my, my tip for the day is if you search for multi-units on Redfin, um, do year built and don't do anything new because it'll just show you the new uh, townhouses and condos they're putting up. So if you go to 2017 or 18, um, you do multi-units, then it'll show you stuff that's uh, that's older that actually fits your parameters, not a new build or new construction. Nice. All right. You want me, you want me to bring the screen share up? Yeah. Hey, Ian, Ian, you got this going on on two of your phones or something? 
Uh, I'm live on Instagram, but it shouldn't affect it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, hang on one sec. I'm going to put this up. Can everybody see that? Um, all right. So should we, you want to go through this real quick? Hopefully yeah, so, there's no sensitive info on your screen. No, no, this is, no, this is, uh, I actually wrote this out just specifically for this podcast. So obviously the purchase price was 160 closing cuts. These are round numbers because round numbers are a whole lot number than going back through and looking at my data. Um, purchase price is 160 closing costs was about 10,000 renovation cost was about 90,000 and the holding costs and financing fee with hard money will say is about 9,000. So my all into this property was 269. So before I did any of this, um, I gave myself an estimate for how much it was going to cost for renovation. I think my estimate was like 80,000. Um, I was of course I went over and, uh, the appraised, I had it appraised beforehand before any of this took place. And he said it'll appraise for 285. And I was like, all right, cool, 285. Um, I'll do a 80% loan to value at the time. Um, in my mind, it made sense. And then I think I had to get a business mortgage on this thing. And either way, uh, I was like, all right, I'll have some equity left in it. But my, my, when we talked about this last time, I always have certain things I want to buy. I want to buy a waterfront property. I want to buy a castle. I want to buy a lighthouse. So this was my waterfront property. So I didn't mind being out of pocket. Um, if you want to look at the bird strategy before the bird was even around, this is what I was doing. This was the bread and butter of how can I renovate this thing, get my money back out. So my parameters specifically are, I want to make $400 a door net, not gross, but net after all those taxes and fees and property management stuff and whatever else, I want to make 400 bucks a door. Um, so this will fit those parameters and I want to recover all that money within two years. So that being said, when the appraisal was done, it was appraised for 285. When the appraisal was completed, or the uh, the renovation was completed, it was appraised for three twenty five. So the bank gave me a loan about two hundred and forty four thousand dollars, and I was able to pay off the hard money loan with hard money bankers, um, and then wrap this into a different loan, a long term loan. So I'm still out of pocket, say twenty five thousand dollars, right? Not terrible. It's just still a cash flowing machine because my mortgage for the property every month is about 18,000, I'm sorry, 1,850 bucks or 22,200 a year. Um, here's where my money maker is, is house one rents for 1325, house two rents for 1350. So my gross income, this isn't gonna share right. My gross income every month is 2875. So it's a profit of about a thousand bucks a month or 34,500 a year. Um, so my that's where I'm at specifically with my gross. So once I take all my fees out, my property manager costs 8%. Um, again, they're great. Uh, Ridgeway and Compass down in, uh, I think they're in La Plata or Waldorf now. Um, great property managers. Okay, I got nothing but good things to say about them. So the gross income for this property, 34500 annual mortgage minus the property fees. So I'm at a profit of 5475 So you break that down, I'm making a profit of $568.75 a month or 6,800 bucks a year. So that's, that's with, if I have a turnover every year. So one of the benefits of having a waterfront property is it's waterfront property. People want to live at a waterfront property, especially if it's not in a flood zone because I'm on the side of a cliff. So my income, my turnover has been minimal. Um, so my actual income every year is about is an additional um, $2,875. So my net is about 808 bucks a month, which is $400 a door, uh, which is what my goal is. And that's kind of what I went for. 
So normally, like I said earlier, I want to get all my money back, everything, my renovation costs, my down payments, my holding costs, everything back within 24 months. That's my goal. Uh, did this one meet expectations? No, it's, you know, it's a 31 month turnaround. I've already recovered all my money now. Um, if I have turnovers every year, it's been 44 months, but this is kind of a breakdown financially, how to look at the property and what to expect. Um, have my that I probably would recover my money a whole lot faster. Uh, but it is what it is as part of the game. I'm so happy to have a cash flowing property when all is said and done. Nice. All right. I want to I re recap that a little bit because I think that was good information, not just on this particular property, but in general. And I'm actually curious to see how Ian Horowitz, birthday boy, uh, <laughs> uh, thinks about this as well. So in essence, Every time you buy a property, it doesn't really matter the price point. Um, obviously, the higher price points, you probably want a little bit more rate on rate on return or uh, dollar, dollar per dollar. But you try to get four hundred dollars per unit per month, net, 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 right. net, 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 right? So, and, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of people care about percentage, and I hear too many times that people all they care about is is percentage. It's my Oh man, I got the wrong webcam on. That's my problem. <laughs> you actually had to shut down Instagram and everything. You made me feel like I did something wrong. God. See, trying to blame the birthday boy, man. Come on. I know it's my goddamn yeah, birthday. I do what I want. Dude, dude, my real webcam's not even hooked up. Hold on. Hold I know on. you look like today. Ian, are you oh, doing no, anything for your birthday? What's that? Are you doing anything for your birthday? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, sit here and work at the office all day, and then I'm gonna go home. Where? Is that better? That's about it. Hang out with the wife and kids. Go anywhere? Where, where are we gonna go? Hey man, you can order out and sit in the park somewhere and eat food. That's what I'm doing. I guess I got um, my, my nice packed lunch here today. So isn't it a uh, so Ryan's birthday too? It is Ryan Tucker's birthday too. Oh, happy birthday, Ryan! Happy birthday. Hey, where is he? Is he around there somewhere? Is he no. behind you anywhere? He's someone's got to work in this place. So okay, good enough. All right. So let's recap that again. So you're yep. looking to make four hundred dollars per month net. And so many people, all they care about is percentage wise. And the percentage thing never never works for me. It's like, oh, I got a great cash on cash cash return on this thing, or you know, I'm I'm making a twenty percent. Um, return on these, these rentals. And it's like, yeah, but you make a hundred bucks a month. Well, what's the point? So, okay. So yeah. you're looking to make number one, 400 bucks a month net. That's the first thing that you talked about. And your second most important thing that I grasped that I really like is you try to get all your capital back out of this thing or pay back to you, I guess, in essence, earn back to you in a 24 month period, in a two year period. So let me ask you this question. If you were able to, let's say you got a hard money loan for 140,000 and then you needed 60 grand out of pocket or whatever, you're into it for 200 and then you were able to get a bank to give you 200,000 on the refi, to you is that in, is that the same thing that you got all your cash back? Or is I mean, that not yeah. the way that you're calculating it? I mean, so the way I look at it is anything out of pocket, anything I have to come out of pocket, whether it be um, renovation costs, down payments, holding costs, whatever the number is, like I have it all wrapped up into one kit and caboodle. And uh, when I'm done with the property, I want to be able to recover all that money within 24 months. It doesn't matter where it came from or how it's done. Um, as long as it, as long as it appraises right um, and I, know I can get my money back out, then, then I don't care. So I've had better deals than this. Um, I had one house I bought from the USDA. It needed $9,000 in work. And I think I made like $90,000 off of the deal. 
Um, so that was my probably my best deal. But at the same time, it's like that's few and far between. It wasn't a strong rental market. I wouldn't have made as much cash flow because of where it was at. It was in Brunswick um, over uh, in Western Maryland by Harpers Ferry. Um, cool town, but it's just not a cash flowing property, whereas these are. So that was more of a flip. This is going to be more of a, a buy and hold. So I like this one for the buy and hold aspect because I can get all my money back within, you know, 31 months, I think it was. Got it. Um, got it. So, I mean, you, 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 go ahead. Let me do this. So, so everybody's, you're right. Everybody looks at, oh, cap rate this, cap rate this, cash and cap return. And I think those are great if that's your jam, but it's not mine. Um, cap rates are cool, but, you know, it doesn't give you a, a it gives you a very narrow picture of, you know, how much can I get a return on this money? Whereas mine is, I know very specifically how much I should be getting per month, how much I should be getting in the, after a couple of years. I know this property is already going up in value. And I know this property, once I pay the mortgage down in 15 years, it's going to be worth, you know, half a million dollars because it's waterfront property. Worst case scenario, I knock these houses down. I put one big house up or I put a foyer between the two and make them one gigantic house. Then the property value goes up $100,000, $300,000. But if the $400 mark per month, um, you look and see what, what needs on a house. So this house, I'll put everything in new room. I'm sorry, new roof, new HVAC, new kitchens, uh, redid the floors. Um, and I need to touch on that too, because I actually learned something the hard way. Um, I did everything. So, but if something breaks at $400 a month at the end of the year, if you need a new roof or HVAC system or windows or whatever it might be that 400 bucks a month will actually cover that expense. A hundred dollars a month isn't going to do anything for you. I mean, you'll make 1200 bucks a year. Yeah, that's great. But what happens if the HVAC goes out or you need to get repairs or there's a plumbing issue? Like we just had a plumbing issue in Temple Hills and it was a thousand dollars to have the guy come out, um, cut a new uh, uh, um, flush out and then uh, uh, put a camera down and clean it out. So like if I'm making a hundred bucks a month on that, that house in Temple Hills, then, you know, that's my profit for the entire year. Um, whereas this one, that $400, like, you know, you'll be able to afford anything major that might happen. That's why I have the four hundred dollar number. Ian, yeah. is your is your model similar to that? Yeah, I would comment that our our model is definitely similar. Um, with that being said, you know, four hundred dollar a month target. You know, like Aaron was just finishing up and saying, and I, I wholly, totally agree with this. Is that that should not include your capex, right? So if you're buying a house and you haven't fully got renovated it, um, or at least updated the major parts to it. You should probably be cash flowing quite a bit more and probably be setting aside somewhere from 50 to 100 bucks a month aside for CapEx above and beyond that. You know, it's a similar business model to ours where we go in and renovate them. CapEx hopefully is deter, you know, deferred for 10 to 15 years. Um, and the cash flow um, allows us to profit more now um, and set money aside going into the future. Uh, I did notice that, you know, uh, Aaron talked about no turnover costs and would be an additional 200 bucks a month. I, I think that's more than a fair number to set aside, um, you know, for uh, for turnover costs. That's actually really good. Most people don't even think about that. Oh, turnover costs. It's only going to be two grand. BS. It's going to cost you four or five grand. Um, so to actually pre-plan and know what your life expectancy of your tenant is, you know, you're saying potentially three to five years is kind of what I'm feeling out of you. It's kind of what our expectancy is. Now the apartment building, we expect 12 to 18 months. Um, so having those things and understanding what that capital cost is going to cost you 
are all things that you need to budget for, um, which Aaron looks like you did a very good job of doing. The other thing I like about this property um, while we're ranting and raving is uh, the fact that it's two units. Um, I'd be curious to see, I don't see it on here, what the taxes are for two properties on one tax lot. I would assume that the taxes are probably cheaper than having two properties on two tax lots, which is nice. And then also if house A goes, you know, is rented and house B is rented and B's tenant leaves, you still got house A rented and you're still covering your nut. You know, you might go down to $0 a month cash flow, but at least everything's being covered and you're not coming out of pocket and it diversifies your portfolio. So it's all awesome things. Yeah. So the taxes are good. So two things I want to take off that. The first is the taxes. So, um, counties don't like, doesn't matter where you are. Counties don't like having more than one unit on one property or uh, one lot because they can't tax it the way they would tax two separate lots, two separate entities. Um, even with water and sewer, not this property, but other properties, uh, when you're using water and sewer, if you have one meter on for both houses and the, you know, you're splitting it, however you split it, uh, they don't like that because they can't break it down to the house. So you're not, the county is not making as much money, but uh, you are like, you're, you're recovering that. So if I split these up, I'd probably pay an additional, I don't know, $1,500, $2,500 a year in taxes. So does it make sense for me to ever subdivide this? If I had to sell it, yeah, maybe, but I don't think I'll ever have to. Um, the other thing I want to take off of this is uh, years ago, I actually took this from uh, your playbook, Ian, um, you and Dan. So you do, when you do renovations, you do it with the expectation that nothing's going to break within say two years. So almost everything I do, you see, you'll see you know, a new HVAC system um, as long as it needs it. Usually a new roof, uh, new windows, uh, redo the floors, um, all the major upgrades that need to be done and with the expectation that they shouldn't really need anything from you for at least two or three years. So it puts off the CapEx, um, your renovation repair costs, which is what CapEx is. Um, a couple of years on the road so you can make that that, that profit uh, for those two or three years or whatever it might be and not have to worry about the turnover. A hundred percent. That changes a lot. I mean, I think there's somebody out of the three of us that didn't do the best renovations in the world. And my phone would always be ringing. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. I think that's why that one person sitting on this conversation right now might be selling some of their units because, um, you know, Damn, <laughs> it's my birthday. I get to talk shit today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, Jason, would you want to comment that, you know, it causes more of a stress. I mean, did, had it, did it cause you more stress? Not, you know, do you think if you had a well, with a hundred percent updated with no headaches, would you keep them or would you be liquidating right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, good question. Uh, and it, it would depend. I mean, I see both sides. I see, I see the sides on our, our personal experience and I see the sides when we do, lo when we do loans for people, you know, the one side is, you know, they do a lot of heavy lifting on the front end and potentially uh, when they go over construction budget, because a lot of people go over construction budgets on their buy and their buy and holds that they're into them a little bit more than they want to be into them. Right. So their leverage ends up being a little bit higher. But at the, at the end, maybe it doesn't cash flow as well, but at least you have uh, bet, you know, less headaches, um, you know, less headaches in the mix because your target was to try to get into that property at 65 or 70 cents on the dollar. You ended up getting it at 75 or 80 cents on the dollar, right? So your your capital costs are a little bit more, your leverage is a little bit more, but you have a good brand new house with less renovations. On the other side, 
Um, and I, and I think on the long run, that's probably the better option. The other side of it is you try to get into that house at 60, 60, 65 cents on the dollar. You get into that house at that price, you have lower leverage. You didn't, you don't, not everything's remodeled. You maybe, you know, you have a life expectancy of a few of a few more years for your roof. So you decide not to do your roof or there are certain things, not that you cut corners, but they don't need immediate attention right now. So you let them be and you have better cash flow short term on it. But then, you know, as this portfolio grows and time goes by two, three, four, five years, you know, you have a lot of huge capital expenditures and all of a sudden it's, oh, I need a new roof. Um, you know, I need new appliances. I need big ticket costs. And you're jumping into your, you know, you're, you're cramming down your, your pockets to try to, to come up with that money. And, you know, if you're a smart investor, you had, you, you, you took that extra cash flow and stored that away for these times. So I, so I don't know. I see, I see both sides of it. I mean, I think a lot of people want to get into these like turnkey deals or they want to get in these, like these deals where, um, they don't need, uh, they don't need to do a ton of construction, right? Right? Because some, but then at the end of the day, you get themselves in trouble. And that's kind of where we were on this. We didn't do full gut renovations on a lot of our projects. And we've owned them for five or six years. And as time's going by, you know, my turn, you know, my turnover costs are, are expensive. My turnover costs are five figures now on some, on some of these projects. So then it may, does it make sense to spend five figures to turn over something or does it make sense to just spend a little bit more and, you know, sell it on the retail market? So I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, yeah, you know, I, think nice, I think you have a nice equity play, you know, the way you did them <clears throat> that, like you said, you know, your turnover is going to be high and just for a few bucks more, you can sell them off and your equity position is probably way higher. Um, than us on that. So, I mean, that, that's a, that's a very fair statement. Um, I would just say one thing it's, it's, it's hard enough to renovate a house with nobody in it. It's that much harder to renovate a house with a tenant in it. You know, um, that's why we don't do construction for homeowners. We don't want that dealing with somebody's house, you know? So just something for people to think about and, uh, chew on and, there is the right answer. I see Aaron got some nice pictures of the house that he uh I I No, I just I was trying to take it off the numbers just so we could have something else to look at other than um our ugly mugs. Um yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. So there's certain things that once you start renovating places, you know, you'll start learning. Do a single hung instead of a double hung because a double hung window, they might stick something inside of it and bust it, whereas this as a like a, a makeshift curtain. Or I like putting granite in. I know Ian, you do too. I get builder grade from uh, one of the guys I work with. Um, you know, he gives me builder grade material for less than anybody else, and it's cheaper to put that in than for mica and less headache. So you know, as you start learning certain things when you start renovating properties, uh, what goes into it, what's your cost savings, what's your dollar amount, and what's the return on it. So it's just one of those things. Sometimes you have to learn from somebody else. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Um, well, and I also think uh, competition, right? You know, where, where we are, I mean, me and Jason are in competition on some streets, you know, that we might get a tenant that he might not, you know, based on the condition of the property. Now, down there in Indian Head, I'm pretty sure that view right there with the sun setting over or sun coming up, I don't know which way we're looking. Um, I, that would sell it. Do you need granite countertops? Do you need certain amenities there? Um, you know, like we provide washer dryers uh you know uh, everyone else says well why are you going to spend that few hundred bucks well that few hundred dollar amenity 
usually helps us run our units out that much faster. And every month you're down, I mean, that if I can save one month, I just earned back a washer dryer cost, you know. And these are all things that you start to think about when you have more exposure. Um, you know, did we think about all this stuff when we first started? No, you know, but as we've grown, we realize just things like that. Like you said, what type of, you know, from the type of windows to the type of flooring that you put in, the countertops, whatever it may be, you know, um, it's definitely interesting. How long did it take to rent these these properties? Did you have a long time on market, you know, being in a rural no. area? No, it was turned around. So the military base down there is a big draw. Um, and being a waterfront property, you don't have a whole lot of those pop up in the rental market. So I think turnaround on these things was under 30 days, even in the wintertime. So uh, let me pull the screen up again. Um, so first I'll show you how it was, uh, it was listed. And so, um, they put in the market with 245 in a February. Um, and then I ended up buying it, uh, 816 and it was a four month turnaround between completion of renovation to, um, rentability. So you can see the numbers there. Um, Danielle was my realtor when I did this. Um, she's helped me out a bunch of other properties that we've done. But if you see, like it goes pending sale, pending sale, pending sales, because people couldn't get financing for it. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, just because the 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 amount of work the house needed, the smaller of the two houses, it looked like they were breeding dogs inside of it. Um, the floors were destroyed, the walls, the windows were destroyed. They were eaten through. Um, it was in pretty rough shape. Um, so as a, this is why I was watching it for a couple couple months because I want to see, you know, how the price did and can I make the work with these numbers? And I couldn't. So once they dropped down to 160, um, that's kind of when I, I jumped on it. Um, the area-wise, there's a uh, there's a neighborhood right here where it's a co-op. The neighborhood that I'm in is right next to it, but it's um, it's it's just a it's a better atmosphere in my opinion. And if you're looking at a map down to the left, there's a military base at the end of uh, Indian Head Highway where this little circle is, and uh, so I get a lot of military people down there and it's a commutable neighborhood slash area to Washington, DC, because it's a straight shot, uh, straight shot up Indian Head Highway through PG County. Um, this is the house when I first bought them I needed everything uh, up to including we I think we need to sister up the joints, uh, the joists um, under the houses because they're starting to rot away. So we repaired the ones that were having issues or replaced them. Um, but you can see the waterfront property, the background. I, I'm a big proponent of networking and, uh, and um, you know, maintaining friendships with some of the guys. So like one of the guys that was one of my recruits in the fire department, um, uh, his name is Sean Schaefer and the whole family are a bunch of workhorses. Um, they came out and did my roofs for me. Um, I had a buddy of mine that went to uh, high school with me, Alvaro. Uh, he did all the painting and drywall on it. Um, one of the guys I work with in the fire department I asked them for recommendations down there of what the property might need for like windows and doors and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh, I got a guy for you. So uh, he gave me his go-to guy who replaced all the windows. So you kind of see the kind of shape it's in here. Um, it needed a little bit of everything. I'll go through some other pictures. We'll do the, uh, we'll do the before pictures obviously first, and then I'll jump over to the other album and do the, uh, the, the uh, during and um, renovation pictures. So there's two houses. This this house sits a uh, three bed, one bath. Um, it's on the side of a cliff. It's about a 15 foot cliff. So when I did this, and I should have known better. Um, so you see all the old stains in the on the property. 
So we, we sand the floors down and we, we redid them and I didn't put a darker stain on the floor, which I absolutely should have, I guess that's a learning experience for me. Um, so <clears throat> I like to say it gives a character, uh, but I think I just made a misstep and didn't sand it darker. Um, I did the same color on every single property. It's repose gray from Sherwin Williams with a white trim. I try to get the two panel doors because I think they look better if they need to be replaced. Uh, one of the guys I work with, um, two of the guys I work with, uh, Kenny Gatano um, and Eric Calera do almost all of my HVAC work. Um, they did everything for me. They put uh, all the new uh, bells and whistles in this property. We tore the bathroom out to the studs. We bought new cabinetry. Um, but the house, if you took this house, it's a nice enough house and put it somewhere else. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a nice little house. It's cute. It's cool. But at the same time, like it's nothing special. Uh, the only thing special about this one is that fun, the fact that it's waterfront property. Um, one thing that I've never seen before that I saw with these houses is that it's actually a septic tank that spills over into a public sewer because it's the end of the line, which is what these things are. I've never heard of it before. I've never seen it since. Um, basically, it's just plumbing into a septic tank and then it's pumped out into a into a public sewer because it was cheaper for the county to do it this way rather than run a sewer line all the way down there. Um, it was interesting. The views are great. This is Virginia on the far side, um, but it's just a typical run of the mill, sand the floors, paint the walls, repair the damage, put new windows in, put a new roof on. And that's what it was. Um, I think we talked about this before is I do layouts of all the properties I do 3D layouts, uh, especially nowadays with today's temperature of the market. If you don't have a video or layout of the property, um, it's hard to get the, the property looked at um, with everything going on right now. So. I think these cost me 10 bucks to have made from somebody on Upwork in the Philippines. Uh, as long as I sketched it out and drew it out and measured it out, he just put it into a 3D model like this on uh, floorplanner.com. Um, totally worth it. A lot of people like to see the layout of the building. Some people say you give them too much, you know, have them come in and take a look at it. But I, I, I like it. I think it's a big added bonus when you're uh, when you're trying to market a property so they can see what they're they're dealing with. Nice. Uh, one other thing. One other thing to add in that um, you know, from a few minutes ago when we were talking, is you know, I think it's important for investors to understand the types of deals that they want to get involved in and how active or passive they are. And I think this also kind of goes back to Aaron's model of he wants to net four hundred dollars a month uh, per per particular project. So. Probably going from however you're watching this from up to down, you probably have the most passive investor compared to the most active investor. And there's no rhyme or re you know, there, there's no right or wrong. It just depends on what you are. For instance, Aaron's probably more active than uh, I know for a fact than me, but probably even more active than Ian. And in general, that's what his model is. You know, he's got, you know, a good bit of very, 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 uh, strong assets that he owns. He's very actively maintained. I'm sure he's got, you know, every single one of his tenants' number in his cell phone and vice versa because nope. he's. He, <laughs> okay, oh, you have a property manager. You have a property manager in all of them. Okay, I take I take that back. Well, either way, you have a lot more active involvement on some of these things. Like half the projects I actually all the properties I own, I've never even been inside of them. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm very, very passive on, on those. So again, but you know, my full-time business is lending, um, the, the, the investing and the rental side is, is, is not. So 
it depends on who they are, right? For to me, the way we look at it is we just look at it as deploying capital. It's a way for us to deploy capital into a different type of investment vehicle that spits out a good return. And we look at it based on cash flow. We look at it uh, based on appreciation. We look at it based on risk, and we look at it based on you know how much time and headaches. And to go through you know what Ian said earlier on related to un you know um, unloading some of these properties. You know, we looked at the numbers. Anytime we have a turnover, consider selling a property. Um, every time we have a turnover, if someone's in a property and their lease is up, our game plan is always to extend that lease. Um, but if they move out and we have a turnover, that's an opportunity for us to go in and look at and do the math and look at the numbers to make to make sense of it. Does it make sense to turn this property over and re-rent it, or does it make sense to spend a little bit more money and and sell it? And lately, a lot of them have made sense to sell. So again, I think it just depends on who you are and how active you want to be. Most landlords I know are pretty active. You know, their their model is buying rentals. They they try to find good deals and they're able to make up and and get better margins on on deals and opportunities because they're active with their tenants and they're active with their projects and they know what's going on and they can problem solve problem solve deals. Uh, I, I'll let Ian kind of share his experience, but I'm guessing, you know, as his portfolio is nearing 100 properties, you know, it's hard to be active on every single one of them. You need to have a construction manager. You need to have some sort of um, someone working with tenants. You need to have uh, other other parties involved. So, again, we can relate all of this back to the E-Myth, like we typically relate a lot of business ventures to. But related to the te te technician or the manager or the visionary. And again, like it's, it's not a shot on anybody. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, I might be at a technician in this, in this one business and I might be a manager in this business. I may be at a visionary in this business. You know, it just depends on where you want to spend your time and resources and capital. Uh, yeah, that's a hundred percent right. We're actually at the point now where I think yesterday we both said, uh, F it, uh, we need to find somebody for the office. We're, we're at that point where it's just been, you know, we, I've been trying to get out of the office all day. Um, we're just inundated with, uh, with, uh, paperwork that has to get done. So we finally decided we're at that point of growing, you know, um, it is very hard. And again, it's how you want to manage it. If you're going to actively manage it, just because you're making up that difference and you're saving 10% on your property manager, eight percent whatever the heck it is you're not really saving it you're, you're swapping time for money you know we wanted to do that because we had a vision to grow our portfolio to a large scale um which we're headed towards or we're at and we're okay with it right you know we want the office we're, we're good managing this thing on a day-to-day -day basis versus someone like you know maybe aaron you know where he's like okay i want to do some other things and or or jason you know like hey i got some other things i want to do you know i'm willing to give up eight percent so i have some freedom you know um so just pick that business model when you start um it's not just easy of you got to remember if you're buying a rental property and you have a full-time job and that tenant calls how are you handling that call you know do you have a system in place or do you have um at midnight when your tenant calls and says that the house is flooded out what are you going to do how far do you live from the property do you have boots on the ground um, you know that was one of the challenging things that i was talking with steve on the storage stuff is that you know it's in it's in louisiana you can't just get in your car and drive down the street and say hey man uh the gate operator is broken like 
you need to have the right contractors in place. And that goes the same for single family investing. That's why we're big, big on backyard investing um, because you can control some of these things. So, um, but enough about me, Aaron, I love the deal. Find me a double lot here in, uh, in Baltimore and I'll do it. Yeah. So I think you guys are both right. Uh, that's one of the reasons to get the property manager. I think if you have over more than two or three properties and a full-time job, like you're just asking for a headache and no life on the side. So for me, if you get a property manager at eight or 10%, it's like, you know, on the average rent saying 1500 bucks or 2000 bucks, you're only paying, you know, 120, $150 a month to not have a headache and not to answer the phone at midnight, um, which has come in fantastic for me. Um, you know, the lady who backed up the, to the, the toilet and the plumbing last week or two weeks ago, um, having a property manager, you know, manage that and, you know, do all the phone calls and deal with the headache, like at 120 bucks a month is like, absolutely worth it to me. Um, so, yeah, for me, they don't have only one of my tenants has my numbers because uh, he was a holdover from um, when I purchased the property. I just kept him as a tenant. Um, so, yeah, the property manager to me is if you have one or two properties, great. But if you have three, four, five, six, ten, a hundred, whatever your number is, then it starts to be a headache. Um, but yeah, in terms of the multiple properties, so this is the kind of condition it's in. When I said, you know, spend ten bucks, draw it out yourself. You can see these very rough sketches um, of the layout. You just get a laser measure or you get a tape measure, run the building, send it to somebody, find them on uh, on Upwork, and then they'll draw out the uh, the schematics of the property for you, like either a two D like these or a three D. But this is a pretty typical you know, tear out, you tear out the kitchen, tear out the bathroom, paint the walls, replace what needs to be replaced. Um, you see, I pulled a tape measure out here. I had a guy match up the, uh, the oak floors um, uh, and then patch them back in with the newer stuff um, after he renovated them. This is one of the, the rooms that was, a, I think a breeding room, which is why the floors are all warped. I had to tear all these out, tear the subfloor <laughs> out. Um, you see the holes in the walls where the dog chewed on the sills and the, and the, and the walls. Uh, the house was settling, you know, you see this a lot in the band houses where they have a board bolted in so people can't break in and mess it up even more. Um, a lot of this stuff is pretty typical for the stuff that we've seen. I mean, you guys see it more in Baltimore than I do, but, uh, well, DC sees a whole lot of this, but you had to go through the whole process of doing the tear out and doing, you know, there was four layers of laminate, uh, uh, laminate on top of this floor in the kitchen. We had to tear all that out. And I realized we had, oh my God, you know, the HGTV, I have a hardwood floors. Yay. But you're so destroyed, I can't do anything with them. So I had to either patch them up or, you know, do a tile floor. So I opted to do the um, the uh, patchwork and put it back in there. So I have hardwood floors in the kitchen, which, you know, it could be good, could be bad. What? Uh, I always go down to the properties and take a look and see what's getting done because um, some contractors to babysit, some contractors you don't. Uh, luckily I've been able to work with a lot of guys that I'm friends with and I've been friends with for a long time. Um, so they can give me updates with the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, but yeah, this is just a typical renovation. The only thing different about this is it's a waterfront property and it's two houses on one lot. All right. So I, I love it. I think you did an awesome job. I'm jealous. Uh, I wish it was closer to here. I ask you a goofy question. You gotta be serious. If you had to do this deal again, why wouldn't you do this deal? A specific deal, waterfront, two houses? This property here, if you, if you had the opportunity again, knowing what you know now, why wouldn't you do the deal? Is there something that would scare you and walk you, you know, push you away from doing it again? 
No, not at all. I mean, this is this is the this is the first multi multiple house lot I've done, and it just makes sense. It's just like buying a, tri- a duplex or a triplex. Um, the only the only hiccup is finding comps for that house. Because if you get a hard money loan on this thing and you get stuck with, you know, not being able to find comps and banks won't give you money for it, now you're stuck with a hard money loan that, you know, obviously they won't get their money back too. Right. So that's the only only caveat. So on the front end, I would front load this whole deal, which is what I did with this one, luckily, and just say, is there a bank out there that will finance this? Okay, cool. So I have a way out. I have an exit strategy. Um, and the other one is, are there comps out there or, or can I find an appraiser who can um, give me comps that will make up the numbers, that, not make up the numbers, but find the numbers I need it to be. Because uh, if you want to break this down to say you can't find a, a two unit um, house or a two house property, a three house property anywhere around you, um, will he take will he take the combined you know, two bed house and three bed house and make it a five bed, two bath property and then comp it that way? Yeah, maybe if it's a good appraiser, I think he does that. Um, and then you can find the numbers that make sense that way. But it all just comes back to your appraiser. Uh, a buddy of mine just had an, a, a multi-unit uh, in uh, halfway Maryland, I think it is, outside of Hagerstown. Um, he bought it for $33,000. You know, it's going to be a good moneymaker for a long time. Um, he's, I was finding comps. The guy that he did the appraisal tried to comp it to a house that was on the market, another house that was uh, uh, stripped down to the studs, and another house that was um, – I think another house was like a five bedroom, you know, two bath house and none of them comped to a duplex. So he had to appeal the appraisal to get it back to a, a realistic number. And that's where, you know, once he had to, the appeal process was done, he was able to get his, I think he's able to get his money back. I got to give him a shout today and see. Nice. Yeah. The appraisers can definitely check that. Uh, uh, that's uh, definitely something. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and I'll, we'll kind of end with one other thing related to this with Aaron, um, because I, you know, I'm, I was pretty familiar with it because we did the hard money loan on the front end. And I remember talking to Aaron about it multiple times and as well as not really sure what the value was. Um, I mean, most private lenders and hard money lenders care about the collateral, but they also care very much about the character uh, of the, of the borrower and uh, who the, and you know, who they're working with, who they're partnering with to determine if they have, other means to uh you know to to get out of the the deal and pay it back and Aaron obviously certainly did so that was a big thing but one of the things I liked that he did was he had he had a few ideas of who was going to do the takeout loan he he kind of had everything from start to finish figure out it wasn't like oh I'm gonna go buy a property get a loan and then I'm gonna go figure it out after the fact he he knew exactly what was going to happen down the road and he had contingency plans and he had you know an exit plan two, three, four, five, just in case it wasn't able to work. So I think that's important because a deal like this, that's slightly outside of the box, potentially, um, you know, and, and you might not be able to get some conventional bank or some conforming loan on a project like this. You got to think outside the box and you got to figure out other options of what could potentially, potentially have happen. So it ends up in, you know, like a really, really strong deal. And I don't think there's any doubt in your mind that you didn't think it was strong from the beginning, but being able to have a, a few different contingency plans made it work. Um, let's go through a few quick questions real quick. So Cynthia, I, as you can see, we posted all of our email addresses below. Happy to chat with yourself or your son related to investing, lending, things like that. 
if you, guys, need. Uh, if you go to realestatereservepodcast.com, you can also find copies of all of our books on there, which are also very easy reads. Um, I think they're still free. You just pay for the shipping. So I think yep. no matter how he wants to invest in real estate, you get some good info out of them. Yep. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Should we do a group happy birthday? Oh, come on. To, eat, to Ian or what? <laughs> Unless you guys are getting naked. I, I We don't need to sing happy birthday. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely texted. I definitely. Oh, Pete, are you in on this? I texted. I, I texted. I texted Pete on this. We'll. Uh, we'll. You, you think I? You think I can get him on screen too? How many people can we get up on this screen? I don't know. You're in charge. All right, everybody, bear with us for one sec. Um, bear with us, dude. This uh, is Ryan in the office. Ian. Is Ryan. Ryan. Should I FaceTime him? Should I FaceTime him? Yeah. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Pete, Pete, I don't know your freaking email. All right. Oh, turn that junk off. All right, listen. <laughs> Pete, hop on that link I just sent. I just put it in the comments. Hop on that. Hop on that. I'll throw you on screen. Whoever actually, you know what? Whoever wants to get thrown on screen, hey. click on that link. Hey. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if you can Is see. Is that Ryan? And Foster. Hey Ryan. We're live. They want to sing happy birthday to us. Wait, you gotta wait though. I got we got more people hopping on. Oh look at this. Oh yeah, look, they're they're towing a car out of the uh they're towing a car off the parking lot. Where parking lot is it? Is that the West Virginia property? Nah, it's the Baltimore one. Oh. Did they not take it? Oh, he's taking it. I'm going to come out. Got him. Got to be quick. Get that money. Shit, there it goes. Go get them, brothers. It's over. Uh, Chance, you're not getting anybody on here. They hate yeah, me. Yeah, we yeah we got people coming on. Don't you worry. So the um, just to keep on rapping about real estate until we get some people on here. Um, I looked at a couple of these properties in Southern Maryland and up in uh, it's usually more in the suburban herb uh, suburban world settings. But I found a couple of them, even on LoopNet, which is, you know, where the deals go to die, um, where he had multiple uh, trailers on the property. And each trailer was making 500 bucks a month income. So I'll be a trailer park owner. I don't care. <clears throat> but definitely look on like Zillow and Facebook in the, in the rural areas and just put in, you know, type in keywords. <clears throat> I like the scrolling. Happy birthday, Ian. <laughs> Why are you made it, Ian? <laughs> the Tucker, we're uh, we're just debating about how great of a day it is. He's, I think he's got a hard money banker. No, he doesn't have his hard money banker shirt on. I think he's uh, we got a car getting towed out. He's handling that. Is 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 uh Dan in the office? He is. He's in the other office. I know if I were the boss, I'd let my employees off for their birthday. That's just me, though. All right. 
Are you guys ready? <clears throat> you guys all ready? To, you guys all ready to do this or what? What's up, guys? Come on, man. Happy birthday to you. Happy the boy. You're the best. GGB. Go get him, brother. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah, Ryan's sending you uh, cash app links for all of us. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah, let me get some masks, Belden. <laughs> Belden's working in a warehouse. Um, all right. Well, now I'm going to show you. Yeah, we need we need we need like that was some bad just some bad singing. If I uh, can't say so myself. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would listen back on that. Uh, if you listen, huh? when we listen on the podcast, I can't wait to hear it. So. But, uh, Hi. Yeah, we, do we need to talk, do we need to talk offline without Aaron? Or are we good? No, Aaron. Thank you, man. I enjoyed that case study. Um, All right, guys. Any comment? Any uh, of your contact info? Put it below, and we good. All right, my brother. Bye, well, at least I knew who, who the five watchers were. What did you say? <laughs> Buy some flags from me. I have time to make them now. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Wild. Wild give a, hey, give a little plug real quick for that. All right, so uh, I do. Um, uh, am I back up on the screen? Yet? Yeah, yeah, you're back in the screen. All right, so I make uh, a lot of flags. Um, I donate part of the proceeds to different uh, groups and various things, whether it be uh, special needs or burn victims or whatever it might be. I think our next ones we're doing a, a shoot a skeet and trap um, shooting competition over on the eastern shore. I'm donating one of these flags to them to raffle off. Um, I always do the donations to the guys. I can make a lot of stuff. You guys are hanging with the house. I think uh, uh, a couple guys, actually, you guys have a couple of the flags I've bought or built over the years. So take a look at it, the wildfire creations. I'm on Facebook. Um, yeah, I got free time now, so I'm always, I'm, I'm caught up. Nice. Yeah. Keep, keep talking so I can post this on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a laser engraver called a Glowforge a couple months ago, and I made these. Uh, these ornaments um, of the Epstein didn't hang himself ornaments. And I actually paid for like a third of the Glowforge just making these stupid little ornaments. Hell yeah. So if you guys have logos or something, send them over to me. I need uh, the files and I can, uh, I'll have them doctored up so I can make either ornaments or something to, to, to hang somewhere. Didn't I make one for you before? No, I guess I didn't. No, yeah, we got one. I got six of them, I think. Yeah, we got them for we got them for a bunch of people in our office. That's right, you did. I knew I'd make something for y'all. But yeah, I got time now. Um, once I'm wrapping up this uh, the West Virginia property, um, I'll have more time to make stuff. So if you guys want to decorate the houses, I think uh, Pete used one of these for decorating his uh, one of his duplexes or properties up in Baltimore area. Um, yeah, pick a state, pick a color. Pick a backdrop, pick a flag, I'll make it. Oh, I got it. Oh, shoot. I do have one of mine right in front of you. I don't have my nice flag because that's my basement, but I got this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I need to do Equity Warehouse next. 
Yeah. Maybe that'll be your birthday present. Thanks, man. We do it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And I'll talk to you all later. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. What else we got? What else? We're we're at the one hour mark. What else we gotta anything else we gotta talk about? Uh no, we'll uh we'll save it for tomorrow. Tomorrow you recommended a really really good book for me. Um, oh, dude, this thing still smells like still smells like smoke. It's good, and I got it a year ago. Uh, um, you recommended a really good book, which I grinded out on my three-hour flight down and back in my two-hour ride commute from to and from work. Um, about finish it. Yeah, am I am I subtle? And I there's a lot of good points in there, and I think we should go over it tomorrow. All right, let's do a book review tomorrow. I love book reviews. That's some of my favorite content, actually. Yeah, so because I because I, I love listening to and and watching other people do book reviews. Uh cool. Yep. So we're gonna book review that tomorrow and Friday we. What time, got, what time are we going on tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. I sometime. can do I can do early afternoon. I can't do before like lunchtime. No, right, let's do like one o'clock. Okay, cool. Oh, technically we had a meetup group tomorrow. <laughs> All right, perfect. That's what we'll do. Or should we do it tomorrow night? That'll that'll be our no. We don't have to do it tomorrow night. We'll do it at one o'clock. <laughs> All right, tomorrow one. It'll be our uh, it'll be our monthly. You want to do multiple books or one book? Um, let's definitely get through Am I Subtle. There's there's a lot of good information in there, and then uh, we'll see where our conversation takes us. That's why we do these. They're not scripted out. We literally pre we don't pre plan them. We just say, hey, who's got a guest or what are we doing tomorrow? And uh, that's how these things come about. They're completely organic. So if you got any ideas, any book suggestions, any information, please. Send it in, and we will gladly talk about it. Um, if any, if anyone's read read that book, that's what we're talking about tomorrow. That book right there. It's very so, good. And, and actually, if anyone has read that book and wants to hop in and talk about their takes, or if you know anyone who's read that book, reach out yeah. on that. But book, review, book reviews are fun because the, you know what's interesting about reading in general is, have you ever read any of the, like, the clip notes, you know, the services that supply clip notes? So like you can have the audio book for like, you know, it's whatever, 20 minutes instead of like eight hours. Mm -hmm. You ever been involved in any of those services? Yeah. So, and I have, and I've gone through them. The problem is, is you read a book, I read a book, whoever reads a book, we're all going to get different points out of that particular book. And depending on what part of your life, it's like we were talking about with the E-Myth, whoever we had on the other day who had just finished the E-Myth for the first time. I don't know if it was Zach or whoever, but you know, the interesting, the, um, one of the interesting parts of it is he was reading it and he was like, or whoever we were talking to, they're like, Oh shit, I'm the technician. I need to work to be the manager. Like I've read the e-myth when I was a technician. I read the book when I was a manager. I read the book when I was a visionary. I've read the book multiple times because I got different things out of the book every time I've read it, depending on what part of my business or my life I was in. So I think those cliff notes, while they're good in general, as an overview, it, it, it doesn't do it a lot of justice. I mean, both my business partner, Chris Hatton, and I are in the same spots in our business and life for the most part, like very similar spots. And we both will read a book and we get different uh, intakes on it, yep. different insights on it. And then we'll collaborate and he might pick up something I didn't pick up and vice, and vice versa. So I, I like doing these book reviews because just having multiple people talking about them after the fact and recapping, I, I just think there's a ton of value to it. Yeah. And if we finish early, we can recap this book right here. Probably one of the best books I ever read. <laughs> no, I think we'll get a lot I, out of it. I, I, I can't. I, I can't say I've ever read that one, so unfortunately, I can't give you any any yeah. feedback. But you know that. Uh, thanks. 
You read the clip. Oh, oh, there you go. Aaron's still with us. Yeah. Oh, Aaron's still with us. Thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we will um, do that tomorrow. I look forward to it. I think it'll be a really good time. I'm starving. I'm trying to eat my birthday cake. And uh, you got birthday cake? No, I got uh, rice and green beans and carrots. This is what my life has been reduced to. So you got you got you got a vegan birthday? It's a, it's absolutely pathetic. I got my gallon of water. I got my fruit. I'm ready to go. So I love it. Anyway, we'll be live tomorrow at one. If you've read that book or you have any other books that you'd like to jump on and talk about, um, Jason can get you the link. It's Ian at EquityWarehouse.com or Jason at HardMoneyBankers.com. And uh, let's, uh, I think that's it, man. I think that wraps it up. All right, brother. Later on. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast. Do us a favor and like, comment, and share our broadcast. It helps the algorithm and helps us spread the word too. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in.